What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the 2022 season of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Drew. Thanks Ben. Each episode we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Ben and I react to the Nebraska-Northwestern game, preview the Huskers matchup against the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, and sample beer from Scott's Bluff's Flyover Brewing Company. I'm really sad. And I'm Ben, and this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. you walked in here with the body language of someone who just had like a double root canal (laughs) are you you doing all right man i'm just i'm just um i don't know how i'm doing i honestly don't i'm still processing everything i want to say i'm okay but i don't know if i'm okay at this point well it that feels very one of us that feels very you know i don't think you're alone on that front did you do anything special for the game yesterday did you do anything that's no and i'm glad i didn't (laughs) I, I, it was the, you know, first game of the season. I knew I, it would be best if I watched it alone. If just in case, you know, what happened happened. The inevitable. Yeah. So I did that. Yeah. And I sat on my couch. I drank a little and cried a little (laughs) and died inside a little. Sounds like a Michael Bolton song. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you showed up today, not even in Husker gear. Normally, I'm not even in football gear. I'm 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 switching sports. I'm going to the European football. Yeah, uh huh. I'm all in. And the World Cup's coming up in just a couple of months, and uh, you know the Netherlands are supposed to actually uh, do decent. So, I'm well, that, for them. that's a great segue into my first question of the episode, which is: mm-hmm. Is it Qatar or Qatar? Uh, it's I say Qatar. Qatar. I always thought that's what it was, but I don't. I don't have an answer for you. Okay. I don't think the world has an answer. I don't even think that I don't think the Qatarians know. Is, is that, I don't know. They're is called that? Qatarists. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and get rolling into this, uh, this fun episode we have ahead for everyone. And I just want to remind our listeners of a new feature that we have on our show, which is called the Wannabe Walk-Ons, Wannabe Talk-Ons Hotline. This season, you can call in post-game with your reactions and thoughts. And we might listen to your call on air and react to it. The phone number to call is 402-427-0258. And Drew, we received a call. Hi, this is Derek calling from the Blocko Community Outreach Program. We're trying to reach Ben and Drew. Uh, we heard you recently suffered a traumatic event. 
and your friends and family and fans have asked us to reach out to you and just make sure you guys are doing okay. So if you could give us a call back, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, bye-bye now. Okay, so that is our very first caller on the <laughs> Wannabe Talk Ons hotline, just doing a, uh, a wellness check, I guess, and uh, remains to be seen on that call back. But Derek, thank you so much for checking in. I'm sure your heart was in the right place with that one, you know, making sure we're okay. Derek is a friend of ours, uh, Ohio State fan there. Uh, I'm sure he really, really cared about how yeah. our Husker f- fans' <laughs> feelings were. You know what? I My cousin, uh, Joel, also reached out. He's, he's a Michigan fan, um, and he... He wanted to uh, try to recruit us over to the Maze and Blue. Never. And so, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. He's, he's tried it on occasion. Uh, it will never happen. I will I will die uh, watching this team, <laughs> even if they kill me, you know. But that's nice of, of those folks just to think of us in our, in our time of need. Before we get into recapping the Northwestern game, or, or at least sharing our perspective on it, we got some beer to talk about, and this is a real highlight, I think, for us, and, and a brewery that we both really enjoy. And this is Flyover Brewing Company out of Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and we've covered them on a previous episode. We covered them on our fourth episode of last year, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about them because I was fortunate enough, actually, this summer to go to Scotts Bluff and visit the brewery and bring back some brewery-exclusive offerings. I'm happy to say that everything that we reported the first time was true. The brewery sits in downtown Scotts Bluff, right on the main drag. It's surrounded by locally owned shops and the most beautiful brick Runza drive-through I've ever seen. Like a like, picture an old pharmacy that got converted into a Runza and it's a beautiful brick building. They got a drive-through and everything. It's yeah, like, man, I want to. The town eat it. centerpiece right there. It was is a the Runza. beautiful Runza, <laughs> right across from a homemade popcorn shop. Like just, oh, a, man. I mean, picturesque. Just imagine beautiful old school Main Street, Nebraska, and 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 that's where this place sits. Yeah. I was fortunate to treat uh, some extended family to lunch and a few rounds of beer. The food was absolutely delicious. Their primary cooking method is a large wood-fired oven in the middle of the restaurant. We had everything from mac and cheese to pizza to chicken wings to roasted Brussels sprouts, which are a personal favorite of mine. My wife ordered a jalapeno popper pizza, and it delivered on its promise. So a big pet peeve of mine, if you didn't know this, is when restaurants claim that something is supposed to be spicy and it's not, it feels really disappointing. Like you, sometimes you go to like, here's our five alarm burger, and it's like, this is how it feels like a toddler pulling the fire alarm. Like it's not even a real. <laughs> this pizza was spicy. Yeah. They didn't use pickled jalapenos. It was fresh jalapenos, and it's smart because it just made us all drink beer. Like oh, we were yeah. just like, man, right. we got to we got to quench <laughs> this flame. Um, the most popular beer at the table was the Hellcat Hellas, Hellas which we covered on our last episode. Right, right. But the sleeper hit was actually the jalapeno lager. It was their Hellas that was conditioned with fresh jalapenos, and everyone really enjoyed it. It was a really fresh-tasting jalapeno flavor. It was kind of a bright note, but it wasn't so much a hot, grassy that you get on, on most. It was just yeah. this really well-balanced hint of something more inside that Hellas. So I highly encourage a visit to Flyover should you be in or around Scotts Bluff. Not only do they offer great beer, but it's a wonderful dining experience and an excellent spot for friends and family. You can learn more about Flyover by visiting Flyover Brewing Company, company spelled all the way out, .com, or check out their beers at grocery and liquor stores across the state. So we wanted to return to that because we have some brewery-exclusive offerings, and the very first beer that we are starting out with is a bourbon barrel-aged Blackfoot barley wine that comes in at an impressive 13.3%, and it's the right kind of beer to kick off this kind of episode. It's the only beer to kick off this episode. <laughs> Instead, um, we should just have five shots of whiskey. 
I really did consider texting you and asking for some bourbon or something at this point, but hey, I've got it. We can always switch to it if we if we need to get to it. <laughs> oh man, but no, this is this is a great beer. This is a dangerous beer because it's it's pungent on the nose. You can tell, you know, this is a big bourbon barrel aged beer, but it is so smooth and it's got just a great like caramel sweetness to yeah. it that just I don't know. It's just it's wonderful. It burns in the belly a little bit, you know, yeah. so you can feel that alcohol warming you up, mm-hmm. but just delightful. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to pace myself because we are going to get into some very emotional stuff, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so I'm going to try to pace myself on this one, but we'll see how that goes. What I really like about this is you touched on it a little bit, but it's like a velvety, really nice mouthfeel and there's some chew to it, right? You can mm-hmm. tell that it was a barley wine that was well brewed and then conditioned in that barrel really well. Typically with a barley wine, I feel like you get a little bit more bitterness than this is offering right now. So that tells me that that, that barrel age and that bourbon flavor, that caramel profile that you mentioned, really took hold onto that beer. So I'm really impressed with this. You don't always find that these are beers worth barrel aging, but this one clearly had that solid backbone that lends itself really well to this kind of a finish. Yeah, yeah. So I'm highly impressed. These are the kind of offerings, too, that anytime I get to visit a brewery, I'm always on the search for right? is like those specialty one-off barrel age, especially when they're not doing that a lot and they, they pick and choose the right beer to do that. hundred percent. Yeah. And if you get a, if you get a brewery like flyover that you trust yeah, who have really great offerings, like you can find a lot of great stuff from them here in Omaha and, you know, like throughout the state, like you said, but if you have a brewery that, you know, they put out good stuff. Yeah. Getting, getting a chance to try their specialties where the, you know, the brewer gets to kind of showcase their talent and maybe do something that's not geared towards the general public you you take that chance when you get it so yeah some that come to mind cross train has their kind of their farmhouse offerings yep jukes does this a fair amount they always knock it out of the park white elm does a great job with this infusion does it for their bean fest i mean the list goes on and on but if you're ever at a local brewery check out what barrel aged offerings or specialty bottles because if they've gone through the trouble to bottle it wax top it put a date on it like hand write the date on there right you know it's good yeah yeah they delivered absolutely All right, Drew. Okay, let's do this. Let's get this. Rip, rip it off. It's a band-aid, Here's baby. the band-aid. Here we go. All right, so moving into the Nebraska-Northwestern game. Nebraska obviously losing the game 31-28. to Northwestern walks away with the Irish win, which feels like some sort of slang term for something to do with soccer. But some <laughs> of the best stories, I think, that came out of this had to 100% do with the Irish culture that was taking place. And the one that most fans may have already heard about was the concession internet connection went down. And beer was free for two hours. Yes. We were at the wrong place at the wrong time, my guy. If there <laughs> no. was ever a reason. Oh, no kidding, man. That was cool of them to do that, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, lucky for the folks that were there. Because I imagine there were a lot of Husker fans that needed that uh, that extra beer or two to get them through the game. So I saw a few tweets where it's like people with eight beers and people are like, now there's an athlete, you know, showing <laughs> off, being able to carry all those beers. Do you see the giant beer snake that yes, took place yeah. going to two different levels of the stadium? Incredible. Like they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's so great. The uh, The stadium actually put out a press release saying that they apologized for the inconvenience. And it reminds Reminds me of like uh, Mitch Hedberg had a joke where he was like, uh, the escalator has a sign that says, sorry, out of order. And he's like, what, temporarily stares? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah, shoot. 
free beer. Right. My bad. <laughs> and then they highlighted the whole hospitality thing. Like, we just wanted to make sure that our guests felt welcome. Yeah. It yeah. really did seem like a really great environment, yeah. like, throughout the week for um, every fan that attended. So, obviously, you feel for you feel for the folks that made the trip. You wish that they would have gotten to enjoy a win as well. But it seems like they probably enjoyed, you know, everything else surrounding the game. Yeah. I also I also think, man, you know, it's too bad we weren't over there to get that that free beer. And then I was like, we we, we might need a perspective change that like it would have cost us how much. <laughs> yeah. Kind of the same thing how with starting thousands, the podcast. Yeah. It's like we we invested in this podcast and then we wound up getting free beers. Like, <laughs> well, not really free, but yeah. you know. So what are your initial thoughts? I know we're not gonna get into the X's and O's because everyone's gonna have their thoughts on that, on on what could have maybe gone better on the field and that sort of thing. But what's what's more your emotional stake or your takeaway or how how are you feeling? I mean, as far as Drew's reaction to this game, that's a good that's a good question. I, and I don't like as I'm still processing. Like I don't know where to begin because when you ask me that question, like my mind races to like a hundred different things, um, and all of them just light off a bunch of just angry alarms. One, I guess I'll start with at the end of the game. And I was going to ask you this question. When Nebraska got the ball with, what, like two minutes left? Mm -hmm. And they were down by three. Were you excited? Were you, like, on the edge of your seat, interested in the game at that point? I have YouTube TV. This is going to be a really roundabout fucking answer. Okay, no, that's fine. Let's do this. I have YouTube TV, so I'm always concerned that I'm on a delay and that the game's already over before it's over. And somehow that that, like, is a curse in a sense. So when that started, I flipped my phone over so that I couldn't see the screen yep. and I pushed it away because I didn't want any of my notifications going off, regardless of who's watching the game, that sort of thing. Because you just never know if someone's a minute behind, if they're five seconds ahead of you, where, where they fall. Right. I was not on the edge of my seat until, sorry if you hear like fucking marbles racking <laughs> above us. I was not on the edge of my seat until Trey Palmer fought for the first down. And then I went. We got some dudes on this team. Mm-hmm. We got some guys who understand. And he was making up for his, maybe his sin of not getting across the the first down marker on a previous third down. And he made sure to get 12 yards when he needed 10. I right. mean, and, and that's when I thought, okay, this is different. These are guys who want to go out there and win the game as opposed to guys who had that last year, that cloud hanging over their head. So right away, I thought, this is a big ask. It was a great punt by Northwestern's punter to get him on that side of the mm-hmm. field. Yeah. Casey Thompson wasn't looking like Casey Thompson of the first half, but I thought this is a guy who says he doesn't get flustered. Let's see him go out there and win it. And then when someone like Trey Palmer goes out there, who you don't look at as the kind of wide receiver who's going to fight for yards, he's the guy that's going to blow past you and doesn't want to get touched. Yep. I think he broke two tackles maybe to get that yardage. And I thought, man, that's a dog. That's a guy I want on my side fighting for me. I'm going to sit forward. I'm going to give this the attention it deserves. So that's when I, when I thought this might be different. Okay. I, that gave me like a little ray of sunshine, but on the whole, it w- it didn't spark like sure you know what I mean. And it was that that was disappointing. I'm disappointed that I'm to that point with this team. Yeah, already, already after one game, um, the fact that they're already being lumped into the entirety of last year. Sure, in my mind, in the way that I watch the game. Yeah, so that was that was frustrating. Um, well, I think, you know, I think you have too. you have this foundation of evidence that says this is what this coaching staff puts out and you don't have anything else. You don't have anything else to compare it to. 
So you do immediately fall back on like, even though this is a different team in a different year and a different season, I, I still have all that evidence from last year to kind of add this to the, the situation. Now, yeah. for all we know, this team could go and make a run and be 11 and one. And this could just be the fluke of the year. We don't know that yet because of where we are in the season, but you just have that, that built in foundation of like, I don't know any different. And I think it would be silly to say or, or discount all of that previous information. I don't think that that's unfair to yourself to, to, to feel that way. Right. And I, and, and you're right. They could change this script. Right. And, and, you know, and you listen to the guys after the game, like they still obviously believe in themselves. Um, they still maintain their confidence and their positivity, which is, you know, good for them. The argument that, like, okay, this is just one game. And we said that. It's funny because we said that last year after the Northwestern game. It's just one game because we were all hyped up. Right. And this time, you know, we're trying to say the same thing. It's just one game. It's just one game. There's still a whole season ahead of us. Everything's still on the table for them. But that mantra that it's just one game, yeah, it just doesn't quite hold the same weight because of all the stuff that's come before and the fact that we've seen this so many times before already. And despite all the changes, despite all the new guys coming in from the transfer portal, despite you know um, guys like Trey Palmer fighting at the end of the game, it still ended, it still ended the same. So time will time will heal all wounds, right? So um, by the time North Dakota comes around. I'll be hyped up. I'll be ready to go. The season will reset in my mind and we'll be okay. But I have a um, written response okay. to what you had to say. And this wasn't pre-planned or anything like that, that this was going to be a direct response to that. Mm-hmm. But I wrote a little essay for myself. Okay. Maybe it'll help you. Maybe you'll think it's bullshit. Maybe it'll help someone else listening. Yeah. But it's called A Weight Off My Shoulders. Okay. Okay. This past year has brought about conference realignment, player transfers, and NIL money. We no longer see college athletes for what they are kids think back to where you were between 18 and 24 you're a completely different person you're still just a kid and so are these guys they're kids playing a game one of the things we failed to celebrate in our podcast even with a three and nine season was we saw multiple players drafted and even more earning undrafted free agent spots on nfl rosters the loss against northwestern officially relieves us of our duty we're no longer on the stress hook for a natty We could statistically still win the West, but it's not likely, and that's okay. Because now we get to enjoy the play of these young men showing out on a grand scale. Thompson, Palmer, Grant, Yant, Volkolek, Hill, Buford, Mathis, Reimer, Heinrich, Robinson, Nelson, just to name a handful. I'm choosing to celebrate the wins when they come, but focus on something that matters far more than the wins and loss column. Championing the players who represent Nebraska more than they ever have before. So I'm going to turn out cheer for joy and great play. I'm going to support the student athletes and elevate stories about their success off the field as much as on it. We can still achieve the goal of a bowl game. I don't know where six wins on this schedule falls, but I'll leave that up to the dudes on the field because I'm tired of the sadness, the anger, and the frustration, and I'm ready to have fun. Okay. So that was that's, nice. That was that's my response, right? Is yeah. I'm just going to reframe because we've been expecting a lot to come out of something where we haven't had the evidence in the past. Yeah. But in doing so, I feel like I've personally overlooked some of the bigger, better stories that are happening. Guys' lives are changing because of the skills that they are achieving while at Nebraska, because of the way that their lives are changing while at Nebraska. And those are huge success stories, right? That's ultimately why college football, I think, is so enticing, is you're getting, getting to see these guys achieve their dreams right in front of you. 
That's true. And that is incredible. And you're right. We have not touched on that very much. A lot of my, all of my frustration is directed at the coaching deal, namely the head coach and you know, and everything I've, everything I have written down is all, (laughs) it's almost all not even angry about the game. Yeah. Like the game was the game and, and I've been through it so many times before that I have, I have nothing really new to say, um, in terms of how it played out. Um, I, you know, I, I marked down all the all the good quality stuff because um, I needed I also did need to remind myself like yeah this this is not all doom and gloom right we did see Anthony Grant rip off a huge run he, yeah. he struggled to get a lot of yardage but so did everybody else just with the way that the game was playing out um, but he still had that nice big run that think, was something to get excited for I think Anthony Grant needed to get hit by a Big Ten defensive player to understand okay I I can survive this mm-hmm. because if you watch his highlight reel the dude just is faster than everyone. And yeah. it took him a little while to get hit, and then on his big run, he took a shot, and he pinballed right he, off, and he just kept going. Yeah, he broke that tackle, and he kept his balance. He kept his shoulders low. His pads were low. I mean, he just, yeah, and it did, and then he just took off again, yeah. and it was like... I just don't think that playing for the New Mexico Military Institute or wherever he was prior, I don't think he'd ever been hit like that. I don't even been hit that hard. He was not hit. He was hitting other people. Right. Like, on, I think almost and, on purpose. And I think he finally was like, okay cool i yeah. can survive this and yeah. then it was like game on boys and he just he took off and that was really awesome to see. yes it was great to see and i and i liked that they went with the bell cow approach mm-hmm. they gave a lot of guys carries but grant was the primary ball carrier and i and i like that because i i think it allows guys to get into a rhythm mm-hmm. right and then they pop off those huge runs so that was great casey thompson obviously looked incredible especially in the first half i don't know what happened to him i my guess and what I was thinking was he got, he injured himself somehow, like nicked up a little bit, yeah. not enough obviously to get pulled from the game or to even show it, but like something had to been physically off because I don't, it, he doesn't seem like a person that will like mentally collapse in the middle of a game right? because of, you know, what's going on on special teams or, or because a guy fumbles. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch and I hope he's healthy. I hope it wasn't anything serious. Yeah. Um, same with Volkolek. Volkolek is an a true weapon for this mm-hmm. this offense. Really fucking hope he's okay for his sake, obviously, um, and then for the team's sake. It was cool to see AJ Allen get some reps as a true freshman. Held onto the ball really well. Yeah, yeah, specifically when they were backed up on their own goal line. Mm-hmm. So that's a that is a place where you put guys in who you trust. And so I, you know, when I saw him go out on the field there, I thought that was really interesting. That kind of piqued my attention. The the defense obviously had a tough game all around, so it was hard to find individual guys. I know Buford had some plays where he struggled, but that was it wasn't just him. It was a lot of guys around him too with miscommunications. But he was still flying around the field. Yeah. Coming up to help and run run stops where the defense was struggling as a whole. So uh, I'm trying to <laughs> I think to tag on before you, you know, follow up that side with yeah. what else I really want to throw out as well on defense, Caleb Tanner and O'Shawn Mathis, their motors never stopped, right? They might have got stopped on the line, but they were always trying to get after the play once they got away from their blocks. And Caleb Tanner coming up with that fumble recovery way downfield really shows you the kind of effort that team was putting out yeah, there. Yeah, he, he was way downfield to make that play there. Um, shows you his freak athleticism and, that like he can get off the block and be a part of a play that's taking place. What was that, like a 25-yard run? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean he was all the way downfield. You could have completely excused it if he hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was shows you like the kind of leadership that that dude takes seriously and the kind of player and person he's developed into. What a huge success for him personally to yeah. get to where he was to where he is and to hear the coaches talk about that, for him to celebrate it, for his his family to be a part of that celebration too. I think 
that's he's an uh, an incredible story. Yes. Yeah. And and one thing. So with when it comes to those guys, because because I I know the the whole there was no pass rush generated, right? Like they really did not do well against this offensive line. This was and you have a you have an NFL caliber left tackle, and you've got they I think all of them were starters last year, right? Isn't this like an entire unit that came back or at least four of them yeah this 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 is a really experienced team they're not all starters but they Mm -hmm. are all experienced they all got a lot of game reps yes if you look at their two deep or even i guess just all their stars i think they're all upperclassmen yeah all of them so and that's what people are saying right why why fitz is so good in the even years he might have one bad year but he never mm -hmm. has back-to-back because they are so focused on that developmental piece right and you can see it with guys like that who are working their way into a system and they have those checkpoints to where it's like we have to be better year after last, and that consistency is just huge for them. Yeah, yep. Other so another thing that stood out, or a couple other things. Uh, Bushini obviously was incredible. What a highlight! Yeah. Um, both punters. I mean, Acres was fucking stupid good. Yeah. Like frustrating, right? But Bushini, I thought, did a really great job, especially when you think about like the situational punting, like punting from your own end zone on the very first punt. He knew what expectations were put on him. He knew what. Nebraska's struggles were and to give a ball good hang time let your guys get down there force a fair catch you know don't allow a big play in that situation I thought that was great to see and then he continued to just boot it the rest of the game pinning him down inside the 10 inside the 20 so yeah so that it was nice to see you know with with him and Grant and Casey and Trey Palmer and, and Isaiah uh, Garcia Cast- Castle, yeah, yeah. yeah seeing them all like these were transfers that that Nebraska was counting on to come in and and up the game and they did that in this game now the result was the same, but they they still showed up and they still lived up to that hype. Um, and then one last thing that's positive: only one penalty for five yards. Yeah, for the whole team. Ty Robinson with an offside call where he's just trying to be twitchy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't hate so it. There was tons of yeah. movement going on there, and 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 the fact that yeah, there was there were a lot of situations where Northwestern was trying to do the hard hard count and trying to snap him offsides, and yeah, one you know one jump there. Okay. So there is positive. I, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and I have nothing bad to say about and, players. And, and not to just be constantly on the Kool-Aid, because I know that that comes from my side a lot in these conversations where, like, I'm hey, let's look at the positive. I, I definitely, I recognize that there is a lot of negative that went on here, and, and I have feelings as far as the direction of where things need to go in order to be convincing. Because now at this point, this coaching staff is climbing an uphill battle, right? And it's, and it's a very steep incline. But there's a lot of stuff that you mentioned there that can be built upon and that when things start to mesh, you know, if, if you really look at it that we started our season on foreign soil in a different time zone with 16 new transfers, a new offensive staff, there's there's a lot that needs to happen for things to go right immediately. And I think of Buford's quote where it's like, hey, we played the worst game that we're going to play all season. We lost by three. That's scary. If you can buy into that and you can look at those positives and say, hey, these are our building blocks. Yeah, there, there might be some success that can be found down the road. Yeah. Okay, go for it. Okay, now we're gonna unload on Frost, so because <laughs> that man's getting paid. Um, this is his job, and I'm not gonna say the worst things that he's gonna hear this week. So, um, <laughs> sorry, just he's gonna take a lot of heat for the onside kick. Obviously, yeah, and right? I'm gonna talk about that. And that's that's my my biggest takeaway from the game. Okay, his post game press conference was almost more frustrating than the game itself. The things that he was saying about about the onside kick, about the way the way the game unfolded, about the play calling and all that stuff, I, I wrote down. I took a, an entire transcript of the press conference just because I wanted to, because a lot of stuff gets taken out of context. Like 
I think the thing he said about like we we as an offensive staff need to be more creative in our play calling, you know, in this league. A lot of people are saying that he threw Whipple under the bus there, and I don't agree with that. I think that there was he was he was venting frustration because he doesn't like the position he's in right now. That's pretty clear to me. I don't think he was attacking Whipple there. He lumped himself into it, and I don't think that he was saying anything other than that the the run game was failing. The run game was failing because the offensive line wasn't getting push up front. They were trying to hit him up the middle, and it wasn't working. And all he was saying is we, we as a staff, including myself and everybody else, need to find ways in games to be more creative to make up for where our team might be lacking. Okay. I think that's all he was saying. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think that's a fine that's a fine comment. Yeah. Okay. He could have probably said that he could have more in depth though than than trying to get us out. Sometimes a big complaint I have with Frost is he tries mm-hmm. to be too curt and too coy. And it's like sometimes you just need to be honest. Because you are a state employee who does make what they make and a fan base that helps pay those bills. I yeah. think that he can afford to be a little bit more open. If you watch something like a Pat Fitzgerald press conference, and not to compare those two, but I'm going to do that later on, so I might as well do it now. <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald is very open, except for like he wouldn't tell who his starting quarterback was. And that's a fine secret to keep. That has a competitive advantage. Yeah, But saying something like that that might be marred in controversy down the road when you could give an actual explanation for what everyone just fucking saw on the field. Right. You don't need to be cute about your answer on that. You don't need to be curt or coy or short or whatever. Yeah. I don't see, and I don't know that, I don't, I think that's just him. I think that's just the way he is. And I think whatever happens, whatever conversation. That was him five years ago though. (laughs) And he needs to grow. But he, okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But you're thinking grow, grow as a coach, not grow as a public speaker. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be that'd be nice, but I don't think that's necessary. And I think that if 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 he was throwing shade at Whipple, if there really is like a rift between them already, like this thing is fucked. <laughs> Just to be honest, like it is, like because what? Because if if he's if there if there are problems where where his frustration with the way that things are going, if he's frustrated that he or he feels like maybe he was forced to bring in Whipple, forced not to call plays. If he really truly believes that and he's and he's just using press conferences after a loss to vent that off, then yeah, it's fu- it's fucked and he do- he needs to grow as a person at that point beyond just growing as a coach. Um if that's how he's going to handle this situation. The, that offense though came out and flashed too well in the first half for me to believe that there's that kind of rift. Yes, but then they also looked like Frankenstein's monster at at times where it seemed like Frost was trying to tack on his own plays. So, like, you'd go, it would be like, it was Whipple's offense, and then, you know, adversity kind of started to hit, and then it looked like they were like, okay, we're going to just throw in, like, one. We're going to run gonna, a re- we're gonna re- throw. reverse sweep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll do, a, we'll do a Frost play and see how that works. Um, and it created just um, a sort of a jolty feel to the thing, and, it, and I feel like it threw off the rhythm. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like one of the big questions going into this was how are they going to mesh these offenses? And I think the answer is that they're not. That that they're gonna. You saw Whipple's offense, and you saw little bits and pieces of Frost's offense. I didn't see very much of like a a true mesh sure. of the two. So again, if that's if if that's how it is, and Frost is just not okay with this, then of course it's not going to work. But I don't. I don't. I can't yet believe that that's the way it is i can't yet believe that he is that immature yeah 
to to throw shade at his OC after that game, the first game. Anyway, I buy that. I buy that. So that's you know I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt there. I think that's just the way he answers questions sure. sometimes. Um, so him and him and Whipple obviously ha- will have their own conversation about this game. The offensive staff will have their own conversations and whatever. Anyway, the other thing that he said, and this one this one drove me nuts, and this has to do with the onside kick. This one because it, it, it was baffling enough that the onside kick was called that they called that in that situation and I'm willing to allow for people to defend it because if you look at Northwestern's formation like a quarter of the field was wide open wide open so that's what Frost was talking about when he said that they saw a look that they wanted and they wanted to be aggressive they talked about being aggressive beforehand going into this game and so it wasn't like necessarily spur of the moment but I still can't just I still don't understand like why like what what reward is there that outweighs the tremendous risk sure. of doing that? I don't that I don't understand. And Frost tried to lay that out in his press conference, and he he said there was a few things he said that really bothered me. Um, but he said uh, he said the way we were playing, I felt that at that point that we had a really good chance of winning the game, and I felt like maybe we were the better team. And you can't foresee them scoring fourteen straight and us sputtering after we played so well to start the second half. The reason that that bothered me is you, this was your second 11-point lead, and they have already shown you that they can score 14 in a row. They just fucking did it right. in the first half. You also, that's that's two scores. Yeah. Right? Like, that's not, that's not like a 35-point swing. That's not a 28-point swing. That's two touchdowns. That's a touchdown, a turnover, and a touchdown. And guess who just did that? Nebraska. Yes. At that point in the game. <laughs> it's, it's, it, was, it was mind-boggling to me. That he that he said that that you can't foresee them doing that when they'd done it, and then the other thing was he said that he felt like they would win they could they could take the game by the throat essentially they could put the game away they could seal it up if they got that onside kick. It was halfway through the third quarter. Even if you get the ball there, if your offense stalls out and you punt it away, you're still only up by eleven. And that's you know that's a touchdown and a field goal with a two point conversion thrown yeah. in. He says. He wants to seal the game with that play. And then later in his press conference, he admits to the he owns the, the onside kick, and he says that seven is on me. But the offense needs to score when they need to, and the defense needs to make stops. And so he's saying, in the moment, when I made that call, that would have won the game if we got it. In hindsight, it only cost us seven points. That doesn't fucking compute. Sure. Either it was going to win you the game, or it was only a seven-point play. One yeah. or the other. That was another thing that just fucking drove me nuts. Sure. Um, I'm on the side that it didn't cost them the entire game. It was only seven points, and that there was a lot of other stuff going on that cost them the game. But in no fucking world should you have an onside kick there. So, I agree with those points made, and I'm going to pile on a little more. Let's do it. Why not? And I want to talk about a phenomenon called resulting. Are you familiar with this? I, I may have mm-hmm. talked about this on our podcast before. I'm, it's, it's something that... I don't listen to the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even listen when you fucking talk. So Annie Duke, the former poker player, wrote yeah. a beautiful book called Thinking in Bets. And it's all about the decision-making process that goes into both poker and the business world. And she talks about a phenomenon called resulting, which is where people make decisions based on results as opposed to making decisions based on the best decision available. Okay. When Frost said that he made that call, but obviously because it went the wrong way, he'd want it back, 
that's not a good decision. A positive decision is one that you make and that regardless of the result, you know I made the best decision possible. Yeah. On the, on the other side of the coin, Pat Fitzgerald was being very, very conservative with his offensive play calling. He was punting when he needed to punt. He wasn't necessarily going for long fourth down conversions. He wasn't trying to kick field goals. He was trying to play the field position game. And the commentators during the game were like, I don't get why he's doing this. You're currently down. Well, I think what Pat Fitzgerald was doing was making great decisions because the result wasn't what was on his mind. What was on his mind was I'm making the best decision for what's right now. Ultimately, it led to Nebraska beating itself, kicking an onside kick, not having their defense in the right position, stalling out their offense, turnovers, that type of thing. He had all of this information and all of this stuff at the ready. He didn't know what Nebraska would look like schematically, but he knew what this team was all of last season, and he said, we're going to use that against them. I'm really frustrated by the decision-making process, and it just shows me the mental state of potentially this coaching staff where they're more focused on we just need a positive result as opposed to we need to make the best decision available to us in the moment. And that's why that onside kick was so offensive to me is it just felt completely unnecessary. It felt like if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to make that decision, like let me (laughs) reframe this in Nebraska's history a little further, which is Tom Osborne went for two to win his first national championship and he didn't convert. Yeah. He would make that decision time over and time over and time over again, regardless of the result, because in that moment, that was the best decision to make. Play for the win. Right. This onside kick, if, if you would take it back, it's not the right call. If you can stand behind it and say, yes, that's the call, and I would make it time and time again. We saw this on the field. We saw a quarter of the field wide open. We should have hit that spot. We didn't. But if I see that again in a game, I'm going to make that same call. I would have been behind it. I would have said, yeah, you're fucking right. Go for it. That's the aggression I want. Because you believe in the decision. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to get up there and you're going to say, I, I want it back. I can't buy it. Yeah, I can't buy into it. I, I, can't, I can't say then that was the right call to make. Right. That's the easy answer, right? But I just wanted to kind of share a little bit deeper into what really goes into strong decision making. And that is you just don't regret the decision, right? Yeah. If you're focused on the result, then you're not making the right decision. Yeah. You got to be focused on making the best decision available to you at the time. Much more eloquently put than me. It was fucking stupid. <laughs> like, you know, because it was stupid. <laughs> were, were you eating a big bowl of spaghetti? <laughs> spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> and with, a, with a sub, uh, uh, what did I? <laughs> with, a, uh, with a hero sandwich full of capicole and some mozzarella. <laughs> I got me a nice side of cacio e pepe. Yeah, bring me the, la, the lasagne. Oh, man. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. <laughs> Drew, do you got anything else to say about the Northwestern game? I don't I don't know what I mean, I don't know what else you can at this point. You know what? Everyone's gonna have their own take on it. Yeah. The important part though that I wanted to get out and feel free to recap and reiterate was mm-hmm. at this point, I'm here for the student athletes. I'm here to watch these guys succeed. I'm gonna take away that Casey Thompson made a couple of incredible plays, not just the the scramble throw, but the the high snap that he then oh, yeah. fielded and threw to Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like number two on offense that uh, Isaiah Garcia Castanada. IGC. Let's yeah. shorten it up. IGC. Yeah. Him He's, and, he, him and, and Palmer. Palmer. And Washington uh, as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a serious core that you've got. I think the defense is going to come into their own. I don't think they were 
appropriately schemed for that game. I don't think they were prepared for the RPO. I, yeah, I see, and I don't even know. Like, I mean, scheme might have been something. I don't know enough about that to say anything. But like, they were they were not in condition to to take on a Big Ten offense. Something tells me with a lot of the guys who've been here throughout the past four seasons and leading into that, that there's going to be a fire lit under their ass to really live up to expectations. So when you've got guys like Reimer and Nelson and, and uh, Caleb Tanner who have, have earned that C on their chest, I feel like at least the, the players are going to start playing up to expectation. Yeah, and I was I was just going to say that too. Um, three, of, three of the four captains are on the defensive side of the ball. And so, you know, they talked all offseason about the leadership there. Frost did touch on that too in his post gamer, talking about you know the the culture of the team is going to be what what gets them over the hump. I would argue that some decision making and some coaching issues need to be addressed as well, and that it'll go beyond just the player culture. But yeah, having that leadership on that side of the ball, I think, is going to be critical, especially with the the safeties being new together, needing to communicate the poor performance. I think that I don't think Reimer or Henrich are going to be very happy with how they did as a as a linebacking unit I don't think that the defensive line is going to be very happy with how they did but again they've got leaders leaders throughout that defense on on every level that hopefully hold them accountable and like you said light a fire under their ass um, the talent is there I think I still believe that so hopefully the the rest of it follows before we move on we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild as we mentioned at the top of the show wannabe walk-ons is the official podcast of the NCBG We do our show with no outside funding or advertising because we don't want to take away from what it's all about. Beer, football, and celebrating the communities we love. Our partnership with the Guild is not a paid partnership. It's simply a platform to share our show with folks that we think will enjoy the things we're talking about. This past winter, the Guild was instrumental in passing legislation that would allow Nebraska brewers to self-distribute limited quantities of their beer without the need for a middleman. This new law allows the smaller brewers a chance to compete locally with some of the bigger craft brewers in the state. This is a huge step forward for a lot of the breweries in small towns like Taylor, Alliance, Seward, and Syracuse, just to name a few. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small businesses, which is important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. So, Drew, it is now time for a palate cleanser, and I have brought forth a beer from the Robido Rendezvous series by Flyover Brewing Company, and this is their summer ale. And how does your palate feel now? Delighted. Yes. This, you, yeah, you hyped up this beer way back when you when you got it. When you were there in Scott's Bluff, we were messaging back and forth, and you were telling me about it, and you couldn't fucking wait to show me this beer. And I, I know why. I yeah. know why. This is amazing. This is a, yeah. this is a Drew beer. For yeah. any listener out there who <laughs> wants to build the, the perfect Drew beer, take a pale ale. Add a little bit of lemon or tropical note to it mm-hmm. and chill it. I don't know what else to do to it. And then give it to Drew because that to me is like a beer that, that is just crushable on your end, refreshing, light. Yeah. Just it's a, that you can it's go, amazing. Yeah. It's um, like you said, it's just got that like lemony quality, that refreshing quality to it. It's not like a shandy where it's like overpowering on that on that lemon front. Um, it's still a beer. It still has that it's bitter bite, distinct. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the malt is great in this one. It's just fucking good. It's just so good. We've we've had a lot of really strong beers from Flyover. We've had the Hellcat Hellas on uh, last season. We had their 
Blackbridge Schwarz beer. We just had this beautiful barley wine that was mm-hmm. barrel aged. But I really think this summer ale is the best beer I've had from them. And I couldn't be more sad that I could only get it in Scott's Bluff. Because if you <laughs> buy, if you can this, this would be a beer that would be a hit across the state in cans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would I would keep them afloat yeah. single-handedly with this one. Um, you would drink I, the Guinness, the 10 million <laughs> beers yes. daily would be consumed by you. Just by me. Um, I do. I, uh, I love to explore new Nebraska beers as much as possible. And that's becoming more and more um, easy to do with with all the new distributions that are coming out. Um, but at the same time, every once in a while, I like to fall back on like old reliables. And so, like, I just have like a, a small handful that I'll that I'll go back to um, and kind of like rotate through depending on my mood or the season or, or whatever the activity or that uh, that I'll be drinking during or whatever. This would jump to the top of that list as far as like just it's just a perfect fit for so many occasions. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the good news is. I got two more full cans for you, for you to take home. Oh, that's so, awesome. I'm going to pack them with the, the Heinekens yeah, that, that you we, probably don't want. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want those Heinekens either. You can take They're the cursed. Heinekens too, uh, uh, but you can definitely take home the other two summer ales that I got. I got you a four pack and I stole one. So That's more than generous. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if you guys get the chance, please, please, please check out Flyover Brewing Company if you're ever in the Scotts Bluff area or if you see them at a local store. Another one of their big, big, big sellers is their... Uh, pale ale i forget what it's called it's like nebraska pale ale maybe i don't know but it's got a lot of hops on the cover on the cover (laughs) (laughs) that barley wine got me yeah that's 13 percent. it is and i and i finished my glass and then went back in for a refill while we were talking about the (laughs) northwestern game and boy howdy if i don't feel good right now i'm just so smiley oh I like I said I I paced myself on this one because and normally you don't like well, normally I'm know, on the yeah. island and I'm the one sitting here with a full beer. That's because you're repressing a lot of feelings. I <laughs> I I I'm restraining myself during recording. I got a lot. My wife can attest to this. I got a lot of of my anger out last night and and even today. Yeah, I got a lot of I got a lot of my yelling my yelling out of the way and so this has been a very just down like i don't know i feel i feel bad if you have to listen to it because i feel like it's just been down just downbeat um but i am i'm just fucking i'm beat now at this point um I, i'll get back up and i hope everybody else does i hope i hope that just in general nebraska fans stay positive yeah i i hope that i don't i don't buy into necessarily the whole thing like the mood of the fans is going to necessarily change everything, but like we are in a very connected world right now. And so a lot of the, um, a lot of the communications that are put out there are very accessible for players and staff, even if they're not directly involved with the football program, you know, students and stuff, people who see these guys on a regular basis. Like it, I think there, it at least seeps in and permeates, right? Like, I don't, I don't think you can say that it doesn't have some influence in some way. So hopefully people stay positive just just for that and then for also for the general mental health of the state. Frost is the coach right now, right? I hope he makes it through the season because I think that means good things, right, for the football program. Still cheering for it all to, to, to work out. And so... Weird way to cap up this recap on our beer, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm... Like- <laughs> I'm like I said. I'm processing. I'm, now I'm. The beer is helping me process out loud. <laughs> I like. I was trying to put a button on Flyover Brewing Company, and you're like, "By the way." Did I? 
I've got a lot of things I still got to say. It's and that's all right. Un- it's so unresolved, man. Well, um, let's move that okay. unresolution. Looking forward. Into North Dakota, the University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks. And we're going to preview Nebraska's next game. So I'm going to hit you with just the facts. Okay. And then we'll get into talking about this team. And, and not a whole lot's been said on North Dakota. Not a whole lot's been scouted, I don't think, on North Dakota. I watched North Dakota games Wow! to, to scout this team. How? The they internet. Yeah. They played Utah State, thank God. And <laughs> so I watched that whole game. That was three hours of my life. I'm not getting back. Uh, they didn't have a football in 60 or a... You actually went and watched the whole thing. No, because that would require the Mountain West to yeah. care about football. <laughs> so just the facts. The University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks opened their season at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, against the 0-1 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Kickoff is scheduled for 2.30 p.m. Central Time and is set to air on the Big Ten Network. Nebraska is led by head coach Scott Frost in his fifth season. He holds a 15-30 and 30 record as the Huskers' head coach. North Dakota is led by head coach Bubba Schweigert in his ninth season. North Dakota is 47-40 and 40 under the leadership of Schweigert. This game marks the second meeting between these two teams, with Nebraska holding the advantage, thank God, 1-0. Nebraska defeated North Dakota in 1961 in Lincoln with a score of 33-0. Okay. So that's the, that's the objective recap of this game going into it. I did find some other interesting notes, though, about Bubba Schweigert. Yeah. He holds a 1-3 record against Nebraska teams. He beat UNO one time when he was the coach of Minnesota Duluth, and he lost to UNO three times. So he's probably got a personal vendetta with Trev Alberts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then he's also one in five all-time against power or group of five or FCS teams. Do you know or who, FBS teams, excuse me. Do you know who the one win is? I chance? do. It's Wyoming. Oh, nice. Like recently? Craig Bowl recent? 2015. Or? Yeah, okay. So relatively recent. Okay. So this squad does show up. Yes, they're not North Dakota State. Stuart Mandel. <laughs> Way to go, Stuart. Yeah. So, uh, Drew, let's start with North Dakota's offense versus Nebraska's defense. Okay. Where do you see North Dakota's offense shaking out for this game? So, well, my, so my, my opinions have changed slightly based on what we saw. I guess I've, I've kind of snapped back a little bit to reality. Um, the, the thing that I guess if you want to say it worries me, uh, their quarterback, Tommy Schuster, is an accurate passer. Um, he's a 60, he threw 65%. Uh, last year, which I think t- ranked him at number one in the Missouri Valley Conference. And so he's a guy that's going to be able to distribute the ball and do it well. If Nebraska's secondary shows that they are um, struggling to communicate or letting guys get open, not rotating around or you know following assignments, if the defensive front seven is, you know, struggling to get any pressure, if they're giving him time to make his throws, that could give him fits. So we'll see that um, that'll be something at least that I'm I'm going to be watching. I'm going to see if Nebraska can show improvement there because this feels like sort of a sort of the right game right now for them. It's not it's not threatening in in most senses of the word, but it's going to be challenging to a point where they're going to have to play well or they're they're going to maybe sweat this one out. Sure. I think uh, Tommy Schuster actually reminds me a little bit of Kyle Van Trees that we faced last year in Buffalo in the sense that he is a very consistent and accurate passer, and he's going to mm-hmm. hit his targets. One of the things that he does better than Van Trees does is he performs pretty damn well outside the pocket. He's not a guy that you have to necessarily contain in the pocket to be consistent because he's used to his offensive line not holding up for him. So he's not afraid to scramble and then make something happen down the field. He doesn't have the best offensive line, and he is used to scrambling. And I think that we have the guys on that defensive line and in that defensive front in Nelson, Tanner, and Mathis 
to really make him pay and really get in his face outside of that. I think we're going to be more successful this game with our with our four-man rush as opposed to having to bring in blitz to get pressure on him. He is a good quarterback, though. He is consistent. He threw for over 2,400 yards last season. So he's got a hell of an arm. He's, he's incredibly accurate. And they're not going to be afraid to use him and sling the ball. This is a, an offense that's not really intimidated by uh, an FBS school. Yeah. Last year, they played Utah State, and they had a 21-7 to lead in the first quarter against Utah State. Now, that was almost all they scored in that game. Utah State rallied back and put like 45 on them or something like that. But I don't want to be in that situation where we're down 21-7 to to North Dakota because who knows what could happen from there, right? You just don't want to give confidence to a team that shouldn't have confidence coming into this game. Yeah, we know that Nebraska struggles to play with a lead, you know, and play smart with a lead, so... They're going to be looking to, and and fans are going to want and even probably need to see what we all expected from Nebraska before the Northwestern game, which yeah. is just a dominant performance. You're your home opener coming off of a tough loss in a year where you're trying to uh, you're trying to save a coach's job. So I'm so. going to I'm going to give Husker fans a couple of names to listen for, and if you're hearing these names over and over again, Nebraska's mm-hmm. doing things the right way, right? Okay. So the two best players that North Dakota has on their offensive side of the ball are going to be wide receiver Bo Belquist and wide receiver Red Wilson. Those are the two guys that are going to be at the top of that depth chart, and they're probably be going to be the best guys getting fed the ball. If you hear other names in the wide receiver game, that means that North Dakota is really dispersing the ball well, but I think that you're only going to hear those two guys. So Bo Belquist led North Dakota last year in receiving yards. He's he's a great playmaker. He reminds me a little bit of a Jordan Westerkamp, a little undersized, but great hands, is able to pull in and make some real acrobatic catches, ones where you're like, how the hell did you pull that in, right? Like the behind-the-back catch or what have you. Yeah. And then with Red Wilson, he's a JUCO transfer, had almost 900 yards last year. So those are the two guys that have really impressed over last season and, and through camp, and they're going to be primary targets uh, for Schuster. And then also you're going to hear the running back, Isaiah Smith. He's going to have his touches. He's going to get his yards. And if he's the only guy that's really making hay, I think Nebraska's going to be doing all right because he's one of those guys that's going to be consistent in getting some yardage. But if Nebraska can shut him down and force them to be one-dimensional, I think you're going to have some success on that, uh, on the defensive side of the ball for the Huskers. Well, I hope to see the front seven just show up in this game. They had zero sacks. They had zero tackles for loss up from the guys up front. Which, after all the offseason hype, that that was crushing. Because I, I personally bought into that one big time. I think we all did. I don't, I, I don't think... I don't, I'm not, yeah, I'm not this alone. Is a, this, is, this is a Michael Jackson moment. You are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I want to I see him... I want to see... Not just... I want to see a more aggressive front. I want to see him handling... North Dakota overall is just undersized, right? Yeah. Um, it's not. It, it's an FCS team, but they don't really have any anybody that stands out on right. on paper. Where you're like, man, okay, that's a big dude playing kind of maybe out of his league. Sort yeah, of thing. and and not to disrespect them, but they did lose their best offensive lineman to the draft last year, and yeah. I didn't even bother to write his name down. Um, I forget. It's it's something. It's similar to Sietowski or it's a or whatever <laughs> the fuck his name is. Um, it's one of those <laughs> names. It's a it's a Prochaska. It's like a it's like a Polish fucking can't pronounce it type name. Well, like I said, I didn't even respect it enough <laughs> to write it down. I just said lost their best offensive lineman. Probably to That's probably Jimmy Smith or something. I do know that he was drafted in the fourth round, and I think he went okay. to the Steelers. Okay, you know all that. You just don't know his name. I know all of that, and I could look his name up really easily. I just we chose not to. That's fair. But yeah, so we just I just I want to see I want to see that starting to come into its own because 
I think before the Northwestern game, we talked about it a little bit about the secondary going to have some growing pains, and they definitely are showing that, and how much we're going to need the defensive front to make up for that in order to allow them to grow. And so we've seen the game where that doesn't happen, and the results from that, giving up over, what, 500 yards of offense to Northwestern? 520 and some change, I think, yeah. Yeah, just to, just you know, it, this is not the... This is not the correct everything game. You know, it's not like everything's going to suddenly turn around here, um, but you do need to see progress. Yeah. Cool. So moving into North Dakota's defense versus Nebraska's offense, do you have any scouting on on this side of the ball? <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it scouting. Um, you know, we, we talked already about their, their being undersized. Their O-line, um, on average, are they're about six foot three, 260 pounds, so they're not not big guys up front there protecting their quarterback. And you talked about how they kind of struggled, how he's going to have to be mobile and escape um, pressure if we're able to get anything going. So, you know, I... Oh, I'm talking around the wrong side of the bar. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Yeah, you are. That beer's hitting you too. (laughs) It's true, though. Everything I said, everything I said is true. All right, so their D-line on average is 6'3", 260. So they got some tiny guys on that side of the ball. They don't got a lot of length. They don't have big, big boulders that you're not going to be able to to move. So all offseason we heard, hey, the O-line's pushing people. That's what they want to do. They want to be aggressive. So this is their opportunity to to push some guys, create some running lanes. Uh, we know that we have talent at the running back position, right? We saw little flashes of it. Um, and we got depth there, too. Yeah. We know that Casey Thompson can ball out. He did really well. Whether whether he had a clean pocket, whether he had to escape, uh, whether he had to take a hit yeah. while throwing the ball and still being able to deliver it, especially early on. So I think this, again, it's just the, it's, this is the right opponent to to get right against. Yeah, and I think this is, this is a get confidence game, right? Yeah. This is a game where you need to say we're going to dominate this game, right? What, what we want to see as Husker fans is not so much like you don't have to go out and blank this opponent. Like, of course, there's going to be those vocal few who are like, this has to be a goose egg game. We got to put up 50 points, what have you. But what I want to see is a game where we're in control. We're executing the kind of offense and the kind of defense that we want to execute. What I like about North Dakota coming into this game is they're never ever in a situation where they feel intimidated by going against an FBS team. And I appreciate that in Bubba Schweiger and his coaching approach that he's always saying, you know what, you guys have a right to be here. You deserve to be here. You can compete with these guys. You could be in these games that showed against Utah State last year, made Utah State uncomfortable. They obviously eventually took control of that game and wound up winning significantly. But North Dakota is not going to walk in here and go, we're just here to collect a paycheck. They want to come and win the game. And I think the defense is going to live up to that. But ultimately, I do think Nebraska's offense, when you talk about the size and being able to get push. Last week, I I overconfidently said that we're going to win with the run. I think this week, Nebraska really truly is going to start to be more aggressive on that and be the aggressor on the offensive side of the ball just as much as you could be on the defensive side of the ball. And they're going to start to bully and push around and maybe build some of that confidence back up that they didn't gain against Northwestern on the ground. Yeah, and I, I hope that they're that they're able to, I don't know, like establish what their offense is truly going to be in this game. That's tough to do, though, in a game where it could potentially be a vanilla game. It could be, but I don't, but if, if, if Whipple wants, if it's going to be Whipple's offense, then they're going to throw the ball. Like, there's no reason to... I don't think there's a reason to go vanilla here. I I think sure. and I, I, and I, I don't I know agree. that Whipple's I don't think that like if Whipple wants to sling it, he's gonna sling it, right? So fucking do that. 
if the run game is there and it's and it's working, they're not. I don't think they're going to lean on it in Whipple's sure. offense. They're going to utilize it, sure, and then they'll they'll use it to set up, you know, uh, whatever pass play they want to do. But I don't know, man. I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. Like, <laughs> we're a, one game into I the know, season. <laughs> a well, we're I'm we're also I'm also 13 percent into the season here. Um, as far as, as he holds goes. up his beer, yeah. Jesus. This just yeah, this is the perfect cocktail of of hard hitting booze and a fucking gut punch of a game. So <laughs> I will also say that one of the things that I really like about this defense that Nebraska is going to be going against is they're very aggressive. There were a lot of instances against uh, bigger opponents where they just blow through blocks that they're running downhill. They play with that chip on their shoulder, which is really fun to see. You know, we had uh, against Fordham, we had that guy who set the NCA record for most tackles. Yeah. And I think Nebraska fans really appreciate just good football being played when guys are playing hard and they're playing downhill and that sort of thing. You're going to get that out of North Dakota. It eventually lessens up because they're giving you their all and, and we should have better athletes. That's just the way that the game works on this level. But I think you're going to see a lot of fun in the first quarter, quarter and a half to where you're going, damn, these guys are really, they're really playing. And then Nebraska's going to have to step up their game to show the difference between the talent. So I am looking forward to seeing that kind of matchup. I always have fun seeing that in an FCS versus FBS game. Uh, I just don't want to see an F- an FCS <laughs> upset. Well, no, and I don't think does. we're going to. I don't think we're going to. But if you look at the like, if you look at how Nebraska just struggled, like conditioning, like they were gassed on defense. They were hands on their hips. They were not. They were a step behind. Sometimes they're I coming. Think, they're well. They're coming into. They're coming back to the states. It's it's pretty much a short week. Yeah. I don't know if they're feeling the pressure, but I feel like there's probably a ton of pressure. Sure. I I think what's exciting, though, is seeing a team like Nebraska having to respond to thinking they were the preseason favorites, knowing they were favored going into this game. You can't be favored for this long and just ignore all of that. You can't hear all the talking points of Nebraska's going to win this game. Northwestern might cover, but Nebraska's going to win. You can't have all that going on around you, especially in a state like this where everyone is all about it. And not feel a little bit of confidence and feel like, hey, you know, we can kind of take it easy because we're going to win this game regardless mm-hmm. and not have that show up on the field. So I think this is the perfect, again, like you said, the perfect situation to come in and say, OK, we got to refocus. We got to dominate and we got to prove everyone right in the offseason and this whole week of garbage that we're he- hearing the entire week after the Northwestern game. It's a fluke. And so I think that they are going to come out and be those aggressors and, and be what they need to be, even though they're on a quote unquote shortened week and coming off of international travel and all that. Yeah. I'm 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 just saying like if they allow North Dakota to hang around. If it if it's a three if they're it's in the third quarter and we're still not pulling away, then that's that's trouble. That's a bad thing. Right? Like that's just not <laughs> That's one of those. You're, you're making it really hard for me as I'm listening to this. Like, how do I edit around this fucking button? Like, how do I how do I put a little 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 cherry on top put of this laugh, conversation? Just put a laugh track on this. <laughs> Wrong button. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me find the laugh track. There it is. There it is. Hey. <laughs> All right. So let's predict this game in the way that only we know how. And do you want to go first or second? I, your prediction is very short. <laughs> Mine's brief. I didn't even have fun with it. Like, normally I'm like, I'm all about the prediction. It didn't even occur to me. Like, honestly, it didn't even occur to me. I wasn't even, I didn't realize how shitty my prediction is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, then why don't I'd, you start? Yeah, okay. I'll just get mine out of the way. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read it verbatim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yada, yada, yada. <laughs> 
we talked about we talked about a lot of it. I think North Dakota is gonna be all in on themselves for pulling off an upset after because you know they watch this game and you know they they see Nebraska. Um, they have TV in North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to make that joke as a Nebraskan. Nice, yeah. You guys go to school in your tractors? <laughs> Fuck you. Um, you guys have running water. Suck a fatty. <laughs> highly aggressive. You didn't go to school outside wow. of Nebraska. Well, you did, yeah, but anyways. for a minute. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I think, I think North Dakota is gonna, you know, obviously they're gonna give it their best shot. I think Nebraska is gonna be a little bit jet lagged, and so I've, I've got them sweating this one out quite a bit. I think it's gonna be uncomfortable. I don't think it's gonna be a very fun three quarters. Ooh, honestly, I just don't. I mean, I'm, I hope I'm wrong. I'm probably fucking. I hope I'm wrong, but I think, it, I think the offense will look. Again, a little jolty. I think that there will be some some really great flashes again, but I don't think that they're going to be consistent enough to command the game and to, to command the clock. I think the the defense obviously still has some growing pains, and again, I think that North Dakota has a, a good enough quarterback to give us some challenges. Sure. And to, and that to, to put up some points on us. Um, so I've got it. I've got us winning 42-27. Okay. So, it, you know, it, you know, decent. You know, it's a two-score, but... I, again, I, I don't think it's going to be... It's not going to be one where we're just like, okay, this is what we wanted. This is what we wanted all, all offseason. I think there's going to be like... No, like there's there were glaring issues in, at Northwestern. Those issues are not going away yet. Okay, well, I didn't finish my slice of humble pie just yet. <laughs> I have a little bit more of a comfort right. zone, but I, I, I don't think that's an uncalled for decision. And I think that's the right kind of game to have before going into Georgia Southern where you've got a head coach in Clay Helton who's had some serious experience, yep. and he's got a team who's got a really great offense, not so great defense. Obviously, we'll get into that next week. But I don't think it's the worst thing to have a game where it's like we got to sweat this out and really give it our all regardless of who the opponent is. And that's an important lesson, I think, to learn early on as opposed to later down the road. Yeah, like in Week 0 against Northwestern. Oh, my God. That would be a great it. time to <laughs> <laughs> Did I not get you drunk enough? Just drop it. I'm just sad. This is just making me more sad again. No, 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 no. no it's, I'm, I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna all lift right. your spirits. Right. Bring me Are you back. ready? Bring me back. Okay, baby. so here's here we my go. prediction. All right. And I am gonna read this verbatim. Nice. This week's Nebraska North Dakota matchup may not look like a trophy game, but it could easily become one. If I were to suggest a trophy, it would be the shape of a foot being crammed into a mouth. Something both Scott Frost and North Dakota head coach Bubba Schweigert are capable of. Upon his hiring, Scott Frost infamously stated that he hoped the Big Ten would have to adjust to his offense and style of play, a check his ass has yet to cash. (laughs) In this season alone, Frost was put on blast for his comments about excessive puking as a way to frame exactly how hard his offensive line has been working. But Scott, you're not alone. Schweigert, eagerly capable of threatening claims to his opponents, said at his hiring presser, said he wanted the opposing quarterback and the quarterback's mother to be the two most uncomfortable people in the building. In context, it's a rally cry to the kind of blitz-heavy, aggressive defense Schweiger was known for as a coordinator. Out of context, it sounds like an Oedipus Rex hosting a menage a trois. <laughs> All of this is to say that Frost has always dreamed of a high-powered offense at Nebraska, and Bubba Schweiger believes the key to North Dakota's success is an equally mean defense. When the Fighting Hawks enter Memorial Stadium, they will not be intimidated by 90,000 Nebraskans cheering for their demise. Instead, they will play like sharks who smell blood in the water as the Huskers may still be feeling the effects of international travel. But alas, our Big Red squad is on a mission. They're here to prove their worth against North Dakota's medal. 
Nebraska gets off to a shaky start, going as far as turning the ball over in their own territory, and the Hawks capitalizing just a few plays later. Nebraska may even trail in the first quarter, just as Utah State did one year ago. But once North Dakota throws all they've got at Nebraska halfway through the third quarter, the Huskers turn these birds of prey into birds without a prayer. Fripple's offense, midway through the fourth quarter. (laughs) Fripple's offense clicks late midway through the fourth quarter. The second team offense takes the field to cap the game. Just before supper, Nebraska wins 37-13. Okay. Um, I will say that his his comment about the Big Ten adjusting, they did adjust. They do <laughs> less. way too fast. <laughs> they, you know how they adjusted? Pat Fitzgerald runs the ball on third and ten now every fucking time he faces Nebraska because... Why? Yeah, just give him the ball Who back. Who cares? We'll just give him the ball. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I... Yeah. I Yeah, I like that. I, I, I don't think... I don't know how you... How anybody who watched that game, who has rational thought, can say that we're going to just fucking... Look, the University of North Dakota is not North Dakota State University. They are not the FCS powerhouse that runs through... They've won six straight against FCS opponents. They've made over $2.25 million winning games, right? They're not that team, but they still don't go into games thinking we're going to lose this. They're going to give you their everything. They're not there to make a paycheck. They're there to win a game. That's far more important to them. And I think Nebraska is going to have to step up their game, step up their expectations. And I think after the Northwestern game, they're going to be ready to do that. It might still take a little while with that jet lag like you were talking about, like I I mentioned, but but I don't think it's going to go long enough to where Nebraska drops a game against North Dakota. And I think it's going to be a good game to get them ready moving into Georgia Southern and get their confidence right going into the rivalry game that is Oklahoma. Yeah. Drops a game, no. I don't, I don't, I don't foresee that. <laughs> but I also don't see how they just come out and just, just shut things down. You There's know what, gonna though? going to be a fight. How great would it feel? Oh, it would be, no, it would be incredible. That would yeah. be fucking great. I, I want that. I want that so fucking bad. I just, I, you can't, you cannot... I'm already here. Like I like last week, I was like, "It's monopoly money. We're all just fucking <laughs> investing." It's hope season, you know. And I'm already, I'm already down. No, I, I, I do. I still have hope. I still really, really do have hope. Um, there's so much left on the table. It is absolutely it really, really, really is only one game that occurred. Yeah, okay? and we've got we've got some serious talent on this roster that showed out before. We do, and they are more than capable of turning the tide. They're more than capable of just throwing a mutiny not listening to whatever plays are called and just going after it themselves. Just fucking school ground. I just want to no. say that was not the direction I was taking this. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, there's, yeah, there, there, there is, there is still talent. There always has been. And, um, and it's so, it's fucking there. It's just, it's there. Yeah. That's what makes it so frustrating. It's right there for the taking. So I, I let me, let me put a little, let me put a little button on this. Okay. I Boop. think playing for Nebraska still means something. Absolutely. And I think we're going to start to see that starting Saturday. Okay. 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 Don't say anything buying, else. No, Don't say anything else. Don't I'm anything buying else. it. Okay. All right. Well, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to call in to the Wannabe Talk-Ons hotline with your post-game reactions. Dial 
427-0258 and leave us a message. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you'd like us to sample in the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Tune in next week as we react to the Nebraska-North Dakota matchup, preview Nebraska's game against Georgia Southern, and the fermented offerings of another Nebraska brewery. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.